Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Mansour, and I'm joined, as always, over Skype once again by my lovely, wonderful, patient, wrestling-loving co-host, Alexander Volt. Say hello. Is anybody there? <laughs> <laughs> this is Every Album Ever, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's a new discography, more or less, per episode. And today, we will be discussing every album by... The Mars Volta. Oh boy. Strap in folks. This is gonna be a hot one. Big one. Also, before anything else, happy birthday, Alex. Thank you. It's not actually my birthday, but I pulled my birthday card. I looked at the schedule, saw we had a podcast dropping on the sixteenth. That so for uh for everyone else. It is yeah, it is for, Audio's getting stupid. Audio's getting stupid at the worst possible time. So for two hours, we're going to pretend it's my birthday. Okay. I have no problem pretending. I'm a natural born liar. But for everyone else, you will not have to lie. It is his birthday. How old are you now? Uh, 30, 34 years of age. There we go. Getting getting up there. Ah. You'll be getting up there uh, as soon as you hit 38. That's when I'm, you got to start worrying about your health. Do you know what uh, uh, middle age is officially? Uh, if, if you're a guy, I guess it's technically 35. But no, we all know we all know <laughs> that middle age is 40. We all know that you hit 40, you're middle age. Yeah, it's that like feels appropriate. Yeah, we all okay. I get it. We die younger now. We're bad. We eat. We drink Fago on this podcast oftentimes. <laughs> But three times, yeah, like 40 is the age where you should have a kid, I guess. And you, you better have a car for most places, in the world or the U.S. And uh, if you're an unemployed, there is no excuse. 40 is the age where everything you lose, every single excuse you possibly could have had. <laughs> if your dreams didn't work out by 40, you're done. I've, I've, and this is the guy who's banking on a lot of shit that's not likely by 40. Oh. Oh, dude, that's that's part of why I sold my my drum kit. I was like, it's not happening. This this let it go. Man, I'm clinging to that dream. If you man, take a look around my room, there is just tons of instruments. Uh, but okay, before yeah, I should do some plugs. Uh, if you want to support us, please subscribe on YouTube.com/slash Every Album Ever. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at Pope Jesse Ventura and Alex at mother puncture uh, i post stuff i post clips of the show clips of my twitch channel clips of me playing music it's fun stuff uh and then there's also well this was it should be a pretty beefy playlist spotify playlist on the mars volta you can find a link in the description of where you're listening or watching we got plays associated with pretty much every single episode and you can find them all at every uh as well as links to merch yada 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 last plug i swear to god patreon patreon.com slash every album ever there we got bonus episodes Early access to the Loose End series, uh, where we talk about albums that uh, basically are update episodes for for bands that we've already co- already covered. Uh, discount discounts off merch. Uh, early, you know, you get to see the schedule in advance. You can jump the line when requesting artists for us. Uh, all that good stuff. Okay, but this is this, we got a lot to talk about, and your video has frozen. Jesus Christ. Yes, but I'm back. You're back. You're back. Okay. Uh, we got a lot to discuss. A lot to discuss. Yeah. So uh, one of my favorite bands of all time. 
That worries uh, me. That worries me for what what's to come, Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another reason. I'm like, what better way to celebrate my birthday than to argue with Mike for for two hours? It's one of my favorite things to do, and, and mine as well. Uh, and here's here's the thing about about this this band. I've heard this band many times in my life, many different points in my life. The first time I heard them, I think I was 20, and it is a band that I respect. And I really enjoy a lot of the time and they're like undeniable, but I still think they're extremely overrated. I can't, I just can't really let that go. I can't, I just can't let that go. <laughs> you know, to each their own. I, I like understand it because I feel like they tricked me into thinking prog rock was cool. So it can be. The feelings I have about a lot of prog rock artists, I'm like, oh, they're perfectly acceptable. You know, they can apply to the Volta. Yeah. But it was it's very interesting because I wasn't big on at the drive-in, and I certainly wasn't expecting this to uh a little background for people who don't know, you know, they were previously in, you know, very influential band at the drive-in which helped you know helped uh bring in emo music but it doesn't sound like the kind of emo music that would get popular uh they broke up at the the height of their popularity uh during relationship of command and then uh you got two bands from it the mars volta and sparta and sparta is just fucking awful wait who's sparta i mean i know it's obviously the other members of the driving but yeah um i actually saw sparta once at coachella and it was like they went on before the pixies and it was just like no one, no one fucking cares. That's, no one wants anything to do with this. No, we're doing an episode on Sparta. Goddamn it! I will, I will give them a chance. Although I don't really like that the driving that much either. I think they're fine. I actually never. Um, I've only heard a couple, uh, a couple things, and I guess it just wasn't in the mood. But it wasn't like a, it wasn't like where I found things that I hated. Whereas this band absolutely has stuff that i fucking hate <laughs> has stuff that i love though has stuff that i love yeah. so much and then also stuff that i i sat there just fucking seething waiting for the album to end and just like <laughs> my god and I, i'm i'm actually very very curious to where we're we're gonna agree and disagree uh because i have like i know they're beloved and everybody loves everything they do but i don't I don't know the 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 ins and outs, the really you know the minute details of what fans consider pure and interesting or uh, old versus new, you know style, this style versus that style. Uh, so it's I'm going in just pure. I'm going in like a baby boy. All right, I'm going in waiting to be <laughs> waiting to be corrupted. I have no yeah. idea. I actually hate a lot of Mars Volta fans, like. Outside of like the Melvins and Mastodon, they're probably the band, one of the bands I've seen the most of. And every time, like a lot of people are just fucking nightmares at their shows. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a lot of their fans only want to hear the first album. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a band I watch evolve in real time. And so, and also because I've seen them live. 
And also this being a fan of musicians, I'm kind of like, I like the band and I think they should, you know, I want to see something different yeah. here and there. And, um, it's, it's one of the reasons I love the Melvins. They could this fucking play nothing but old stuff or nothing but old stuff. And you mean new stuff? Oh yeah. Yeah. Old or new. Mm. And the fans will love it. And yeah. I think more people should be like that with their quote unquote favorite bands. I've had some of the most fun ever at Melvin's shows. The crowds. I, I mean, I had, there was one moment where I had to throw a guy because he was being an asshole, but that like, other than that, like Melvin shows are really like, I don't know. Everybody seems to be on the same page there. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I love, you know, the Mars Volta live, the you know, what they, they do live and, how it sounds but um yeah the people in the audience are just the fucking worst the other the other person with the worst fans i i in my experience obviously we know this mike patton mike mike patton fans not the funnest fans like th- that was the only time i i got i almost got to a legit fight with anybody and it was at a mike Patton oh. show and it was with this drunk guy who was just he was just so antagonistic for like to everyone just pushing everyone like it was. It's. It almost seemed like he was doing like a, a social experiment. That's how much of an asshole he was being, to the point where I just. I kind of got. I kind of lost it with him. I was by myself too, and it was not. It was not safe. Uh, oh man! Eventually, he died down. But thank Christ, that guy was much bigger than me. That guy <laughs> wrote my ass, even if he was drunk. But still. Also, also did uh, did you yell at a heckler during uh, Mr. Bungle Bungle when um. What's his uh, hamburger? Neil Hamburger doing jokes. Yeah. Mr. Bungle, Neil Hamburger was uh, opening as well as uh, Cattle Decap, which is man, what a crazy opening lineup for Mr. <laughs> Bungle, fitting. And then I like Neil Hamburger. I'm a fan of Greg Turkington. I, I've met him once. Uh, he's a friend of a friend of mine. I really like him, and he's he's also associated. He's friends with like um, Trace Bruins from Bungle and Secret Chiefs Three, and he's like associated with the things that I love. And I like his comedy. So they're booing him over like a Eric Clapton joke, which is like, okay, pussies. And then one guy right in front of us was like loud about it. And I snapped and I just started cussing him out. And I, I didn't really realize that I was going to snap that much. I thought I was just going to say shut up, but then I fucking lost it. Um, go fuck yourself. Don't, don't heckle. It's pretty good. Are? Yeah. Uh, but anyway back to how we're better fans because we, yeah i just talking about how much i hate other fans on here i am cussing out someone whatever hypocrite but uh back to this band okay so th- my introduction to this band was um oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry it was an ex-girlfriend i'm sorry yeah. and <laughs> and what happened was she she told me to listen to this one specific album i'll talk about it when we get there uh to tease it a little bit and I, I i didn't care for it okay i didn't care for it and then i said that i didn't care for it and she lost she fucking lost it on me she like got mad she got really really defensive the way a mars volta fan would kidding but oh yeah she got really defensive and then started like taking shots at the music i listened to i was like i don't fucking care if you don't like them i didn't ask <laughs> you to listen to my music <laughs> you asked me to listen to this so i did i'm sorry i didn't fucking like it like so going back now I I think she was wrong to make me listen to that album first. And there is Okay, there, yeah. There's a lot. I'm very here. I, part of the, I'm very interested to find out what that is, but part of the reasons I love them so much is cuz I feel like they opened up so many so many doors in like music and film that like I feel like I eventually would have got around 
like got into things like uh, filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky, who's uh, a fucking madman. Madman, madman. Yeah, it's just like listening to the Volta and spending time on the. Um, I think it's still active. The their forum, the the Conatorium. Mm-hmm. Um, just like there's fucking nerds in there that will pick up all these references and interviews, and so it was just like that's you know how I found out about Jodorowsky. It's why I started listening to like Mahavishnu mm-hmm. Orchestra. It's um. Even why I gave, I had a friend who's like, I I would have like never listened to Santana, but I had a friend who's like, he's like, if you like the Volta, like Santana's first three albums are just seventies seventies Volta. I mean, yeah, clearly, like, there's so much Latin influence, um, and uh, shit, man, I forgot what I was gonna say, but yeah, I remember what I was gonna say. Um, there's one thing that like it's a huge takeaway from this, this band in, in general is that like the names of the songs and the albums, it's like, they're so ridiculous. And you think like, Oh, these are like just pretentious ass arty dudes. But then I think about all of prog rock has that shit happen. Like every prog rock band has a ridiculous, like obscure ass words, making up their song titles and like the dumbest, longest album titles. It's, it's just like a total prog rock thing. So like it ended up not bothering me at all where I feel like normally that would. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, Cedric, the vocalist, lyricist, uh, he's known to make up words, sing in Spanish and English. And, like, yeah, I could see how, like, looking at the lyrics, you're like, oh, what the fuck is this? And, um, And, like, people are so lucky they have genius now. I used to have to comb through, like, forums really, hear, like people's interpretations of the songs mm. uh, specifically for one album. And it was just like, it's really fascinating to do when uh, you're younger and you have, have the time to do that. And now genius, like really just helps speed that up. So mm. um, it was, it was nice to like sit down with the lyrics again and, mm-hmm. and like, Oh yeah, I used to, I used to do this right. regularly. That's totally okay. That's going to be your, your position on this entire episode. Cause I didn't do one lick of reading of the lyrics. Don't care about the lyrics. And here's my, my overall uh, demeanor on Mr. Uh, Cedric uh, Blixa Barkle Barkley, whatever the fuck his name is. He's, <laughs> a, he's an amazing singer, amazing vocalist. He's got, he, he's, he does things that most people can't. I hate the sound of his voice. I don't like the tone of his voice. Yes. Has no, nothing to do with his ability. Nothing to do with, nothing to do with his talent or his, uh, even like the lines, the vocal lines he's choosing. I'm pretty cool with most of them. It's just at times, and it's not even all times. It's just at certain times, I despise the tone and sound of his voice. It's just yeah, preference. Could, it's just preference. I, I think it's a fair criticism that it could be overbearing. And I think that's even as like a diehard fan, I think there's uh, a certain album that is fucking real overbearing. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know. Alex, we'll get there. I hope. <laughs> yeah. I hope we're thinking about the same. <laughs> if one. we're not thinking about the same one, Alex, we're done here. Okay. We're done. We're done this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay, history of the band. They formed out of the the ashes of at the drive-in, and then half went to go do. And they, yeah, um, Sparta, and then Cedric, and yes, uh, G- 
Jim Ward and Paul Hinojosa did Sparta, and then Cedric and Omar um, actually started like a dub reggae band called De Facto. And through De Facto is how the Mars Volta came to uh, be. And I think that's where they met uh, keyboardist Ike Owens. And then uh, it, the band just kind of grew from there, although they they act like retroactively retconned it to say, you know, the Mars Volta is this uh, Cedric and Omar and everyone else is just lucky to be there, which is kind of true. But um, hold on. How many lineup changes did they go through? There is a lot, but I think um, some of the, the like most consistent members would be, you know, the keyboardist Ike Owen and then bass player Juan Alderat, mm-hmm. who um, was actually in an 80s hair metal band called Racer X, and he'd go on to like be in Marilyn Manson. So he has like a very, like very interesting career. I've heard of Racer X, and the only reason I've heard of Racer X because I was annoyed that the name of the band was the same name as the black, the Big Black EP, which is my like my favorite record from Big Black. <laughs> so that's yeah. the only reason I know that thing that they even exist. That's a weird circle of connections there there's so many yeah there's so many like weird like i don't know there's also something about cedric and omar that is very like intimidating even though they're small men <laughs> they're small really unattractive men <laughs> like, dude cedric cedric has like permanent i just shampooed my hair head like it's always just this it starts out small and then it gets huge at the bottom. Like that's that's the kind yeah. of hair genetics that runs in my dad's side of the family. It's awful. That would be like the caricature for uh the Mars Volta. Lots of lots of hair yeah. from uh Cedric and Omar and uh other members. But I would say, you know, those are, are four of the most consistent members as well as um Omar's brother Marcel, who who would come on later on, do percussion, keyboard, and all sorts of stuff. But the, you know, I'll t- I'll touch a little bit on on members as they come and go. Yeah, because the drumming the drumming on every album, there's some that are that are more unbelievable than others. But overall, it's like that's that's some great fortune to land on that many phenomenal dr- like. Like that's a whole pers- they, personality, a whole layer of the personality of the band is the drumming. Yeah, I uh, uh, I'll save my my comments for the drummers as they they come on. But uh, starting off with not the first, but you know, first that they recorded with um, John Theodore. I think he just fit them like a glove. He was to me like their drummer and they were fortunate enough to have other talented guys, but it just, he, I don't know. He fit the best. And I believe he's in Queens of the stone age now. Mm. So good for him. Good for him. So altogether Mars Volta had also, I said this in the past. I'm so, I feel, it feels awkward to say the Mars Volta for me. Like it always seems like it should just be Mars Volta. I don't even know what I don't know what it's supposed to mean. It just seems like it flows, has a better ring to it without whatever. Who gives a shit? They have six albums total, but we're going to be covering six albums in one EP. First EP came out 2002, last album 2012. So if you're ready, I am ready. Let's do this. This is the first EP tremulant. 2002. 
So I think this is like a, a pretty like solid setup. I agree. For it, setting the table for the evening. Also, Cedric sounds just like at the drive-in on this song. Yeah, yeah. I think because this would be the closest. I believe relationship with the man was in 2000 or 99, and so this is just two years later. Yeah. But yes, it, it also lets you know this is not at the drive-in. He sounds, his voice is similar, but you know this is not at the drive-in. Especially by the second track. Uh, that becomes very, very, very clear. Uh, okay, so let us have a little check. God damn it, where's the volume? There we go, there we go. Okay, so... Real quick, uh, their name, the Mars Volta, uh, the Volta is a term director uh, Fellini uses mm. when the changing, there's a changing in the scene, he calls it a Volta, and then uh, really? they this, you know, Mars, sci-fi, fascinating mystery thing, so. All right, that's that's logical mystery, enough. If you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a cool name. Um, and this is Cleepy. Cool I've never heard this. I uh, didn't even know this existed until oh, nice. until recording this episode. Uh, I mean, there's like like every album, there's there's already some moments of dicking around, they get get a little up, on, little up their own ass. But like, I mean, there's only what three tracks, three lengthy tracks, uh, and the only yes. the only thing I have problem with is the the second half of uh, Unique Provocateur, Unique Provocateur, because then that's when the dicking around comes in. Yeah, if I had to pick a uh, a weak track or at least favorite, it's definitely that one. I think um, Concertina is very very underrated yeah. in their um, in their long list of songs that we'll go through. I just adore that song. Great song. It's, it's pretty. It's <laughs> it's pretty. It's haunting. It you know works up feelings and um, yeah. This EP is a little little hard or to track down these days it's not streaming everybody yeah yeah and then it's it's also featured on their their live album so um which is also hard to find so maybe maybe one day we'll get some sort of Mm re-release uh concertina uh great song but it's one of the few moments that yeah it's i would say relatively few instances where cedric is real pitchy he sounds exhausted Mm -hmm. for something like sounds like he just woke up or was awake for 20 hours straight and then recorded that song. Uh, but I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess awake for 20 hours. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, but you, so even though we just shot on a little bit, you know, provocateur, some fantastic guitar lines. There's some really cool guitar stuff there. Like that's one thing. I don't think I've never been blown away by Omar's ability. Like he's, he's good. He does exactly what he, what he needs to do. He's never, you don't even never feel like he's limited, but he always has really, kind of wacky guitar lines and uh sometimes they're really fucking really interesting that one's really cool i don't know if it he he seems like he has the like a very short attention span like he stated that albums are more like snapshots to him than something he wants to like stew in which 
Hold on. Hold on. Then why are they so fucking long? Huh? How about (laughs) a 40 minute album for once? Jesus Christ. This is a 20 minute three song EP. And then every album, every album (laughs) is way too. That's my ultimate overarching complaint. It's not even Cedric's voice. It's that they don't know how to fucking shorten the albums. Like every album could cut one, one or two songs to make it a decent little bit long. Like, you know, 15 minutes is not short, but compared to an hour 20, it's, you need it a little shorter, man. It's like, it just becomes exhausting after a while. Like I'm, I'm I always start excited and jazz. And by like half, I'm like, <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot left. And you're jazzed out. Jazzed out, jazzed all jazzed out. out. <laughs> uh, but this one, it was like, yeah, this is like a hell of an opening. It's like you obviously talented bunch of kids, but like, uh, it it always it already sounds so like it's so not produces always used as like pejorative. It's when you say something sounds produced, but this sounds like mature. She's very mature. Uh, not that, not that at the driving isn't mature, but like they're they're far more on the angsty, faster side. So this is like a. I don't know. It's impressive. So it's a really, really good open, like very good introductory EP. Yeah. You can tell these are, this is a band who's, you know, cut their teeth earlier. It's also the only thing to feature basis, uh, Eva Gardner, Mm -hmm. who, uh, would, she'd go on to play like bass for like pink and, um, Melissa Nadler, who you've covered in some year end episodes. Yeah. Melissa Nadler. As well as, uh, I think we have a fan who likes Alice Bag or Alice. Alice Donut? No, I'm getting, I'm getting, Al, yeah, I'm getting those confused. I think they're unrelated. Never mind. But um, <laughs> close enough. Uh, yeah. yeah, let's move on. We have so much to get to. Uh, and this is like the shortest thing by so much that yes. that's even good. So good EP. Uh, track it down. It's worth it. Very cool. Uh, now. First actual album. This is a famous one. This is a very famous album. I've seen this cover for many years before I even heard it. This is 2003's Deloused in the Comatorium. Of course, I didn't pull it up. God damn it, Mike. Produced by Rick Rubin while you're pulling that up. Really? That kind of answers a lot, a lot, a little bit. If that makes any sense. I insisted on putting the intro because I think this intro is kind of perfect. This is the perfect intro. It's, gives you, yeah, good layers with the, the keyboards. Uh, say a lot of these songs are awesome to open with which you know they are yeah it's uh, that, Except that melody huh live they always walk out to like a you know Morcone song ah uh, very cool yeah that man with the harmonica theme. interesting yeah this might be one of my favorite intros ever because you know, think, it, is, it doesn't feel like I, it, it. It feels like it's a part of the the following song, but it still has a introness to it. It still could stand alone if you wanted it to. I think yeah, the, the drums just come in and like, kind of hit you over the head right there. Mm. Yeah, 
damn it. Also, right? So it's crazy. Sorry. <laughs> keep going, keep going. It's really simple, effective. He's just saying, now I'm lost yeah. over and over again. He's also wailing like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. You're not going to fit a bunch of lyrics into that. This is, you know, this is a man who, I've, I've told you, but for our listeners or people who haven't witnessed the Volta Live, is constantly drinking tea and, like, spitting it up when yeah. I've seen him. So. Well, and I'll give you some insight into that as a guy who's obsessed with vocals. Oh, God, this song is so fucking good. Yeah. This is not just a fun song to mock. It's a fun song to actually sing. I'll tell you that. Uh, yes. So the, the, the thing about the tea... Um, I assume it, it like lubes you up, loosens you up a little. 100%. You need... Well, yeah, you're supposed to be drinking a ton of water and stuff. And then, the, you know, the, the hotter the water, the warmer the water, and it's better for your voice. But the reason he's spitting it out is because um, when even when you drink a little, like one sip of water, with the amount of... of um, support that you're put because like when you're when you're really projecting and singing the high notes and using your your mix or whatever it's called um it's like the the, the same uh muscles as when you're like trying to force out a big shit it's the same muscles you're pushing from your stomach and if you have any even a little bit of water in your system you're gonna burp and it's gonna ruin the whole thing so spit it out smart yep smart man who uh you know is trying to take care of his voice yep. and i didn't want to be a basic bitch but i'm just gonna give this best best um, personal favorite for me yeah um this is the one all the annoying fans want to hear it yeah but i also believe in an artist evolving if people like this album so much stay the fuck home and listen to it yeah i i'm um, i'm but- very surprised that you gave this best uh i didn't give this best because because I know that they have more, they there's room to grow, and this is such a brief period, and like they don't really I, sound this. This is not a basic album, but compared to what happens afterward, it's kind of basic com- by comparison. Yeah, and they, a lot of that has to do with um, Rick Rubin. Um, I don't know what kind of clout Rick Rubin has now, but this was to me kind of like his final days when he like mattered to me. Like this was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they um, have Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers playing bass on it. Wait, really? And, yeah, they. I did not know they, that. Uh, they didn't have Juan at this point, so between Eva and Juan, it was like, okay, well, this bring in bring in Flea. Um, and then when friend the red hot chili peppers which again another weird wait see it again weird band connection they would like befriend the red hot chili peppers hate them no, Mar- them. no longer like Mars Volta and I'm out I'm out <laughs> um yeah I don't even think people understand why they like this album and it's it's crazy to me that it was so big and you know popular like because it's so weird it is uh it's the most, uh, this is one. Okay, uh, this of two albums, I would say, out of all their whole discography, is the most, the best entry point, the most digestible, and even then, it still has some some wacky shit. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, man, the first half is like so consistent and damn near flawless. Like, the first, I don't know, four tracks or whatever. It's like, or fo- like three big songs. It's like. 
Because because uh, inertiatic ESP obviously whatever it's a hell of an opening, but uh, roulette dares really keeps up that momentum. It's I think it's a really cool pacing choice to to keep it like fucking at ten, um, to not really drop it so much. Um. Yeah, and then there's like some math math rock stuff and roulette dares. It's just uh, I I think I just have an uh, affinity for uh, songs and albums that have to do with astral projection. And so, uh, you know, this and like Crack the Sky from Mastodon. Uh, that's another interesting, difficult album. I would say it's a difficult album. I like it a lot, but it, mm-hmm. I can see where people like jump ship on that one. It's very odd. Um, and then, oh, wait, uh, of course, I'm blanking on blanking on blanking on what it sounds like. But I noted the the intro to area tarka area tarka i have no idea how to pronounce it it's a very it's <laughs> that um i'm gonna put it on just for a second just to fresh fresh my own memory oh yeah this yeah i remember <laughs> i love that guitar line drive-in riff i will say it's not just the riff it's the way it's produced it's very pretty, though, and it sounds like it's far away. It has a very odd distortion. It sounds, um, it barely sounds like a guitar. I like it a lot. That's a great. It's it's not just a good riff. It's it's produced in a very interesting and, and satisfying way. Um, I I think I kind of glossed over <laughs> it, but um, Rick Rubin was you know trying to make this album accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not you know unhinged unhinged Mars Volta. It's um there was very much a desire to make it accessible mm-hmm. on Rick Rubin's part. He's good at that. He's really good at that. He's very good at it. Yeah. He's very good at it. There's there's a reason the man's election. The first instance of <clears throat> of them being Latin as fuck, drunk ship of lanterns. Woo that love- percussion. Uh, yeah. I uh also it's just like I love the imagery in there. Um, this album is about, you know, uh, someone slipping into a coma due to drugs and, um, you know, having these astral battles with things and this, like the, the imagery of a, a submarine graveyard and this almost a labyrinth like thing. And mm-hmm. drunk ship is very cool to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, here like it's so funny like after hearing the full discography and going back to these songs cedric seems so easy to listen to it's like oh this is easy this is breezy he's not not over singing at all he is over singing he's oh he oversings from beginning to end he's all he's a constant over singer uh and by that i mean he just he doesn't really rein it in and the few times he does rein it in it's just within you know within 30 seconds he's back to and it's cool but like fuck man it gets a gets a little exhausting but also on this album they're mixed really well like they're they're highlighted without them actually sounding like ear piercing overbearing and it's one of the there's only like i want to say only like maybe one other album where i noticed his vocals being produced in a really like um inviting kind of way because like most of most of these other albums that come after this like they're really front and center and it's kind of like it's really distracting here it's just mixed perfectly and then now that you mentioned rick rubin it, it makes way more sense 
Yeah. Also, after this, that's all. That's all. That's all, Omar, baby. So any any gripes? And I have many. Could, uh, I have many. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think um, musically, and it can just be like through years of listening to it. I really like um, "Take the Veil," "Serpent Tax." I just like that's like oh. a rad prog rock song. I love crazy mean all riff. Ten- crazy mean riff. That's what I mean about Omar's weird, wacky riffs. It's. It's at the beginning. I have to put it on just because it's right at the beginning. Okay, yeah. I will say real quick, like the bridges in these songs are really cool. Like, which is a weird thing to say about a band, but Mm -hmm. I just think they're really good at transporting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love I love John Theodorus playing on this. Just the drummer. That guitar line. That is prog rock as fuck. That is super prog. Yeah. That is full on King Crimson shit. Yeah. Wrong notes everywhere, but it somehow fits together in the stew of of just ugly notes and comes across as kind of nice. It's, it's, it's very odd. Very cool. Very cool. Um, well, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? I have to pause this shit. I'm losing track of all my stuff. I have so many windows and buttons and screens in front of me. I look like a fucking hacker in the nineties. Uh, so, so there's only two songs. I'm, uh, I'm a little, a little problems with obviously cicatrice ESP is my least favorite track by a fucking mile. Like that one really? easily, easily. And here's the thing. It's like what, you know, uh, how long is it exactly? 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 20, 12 minutes, 30 long. It's not because it's, Okay, there is a lot of dicking There's around. Dicking around part in the middle with like the helicopter noises. A lot of, there is dicking around, but, and even if there wasn't dicking around, I actually don't even really care for the song itself. Like it's fine. I don't, but it's, I feel like it's weaker even without the lengthy uh, dicking around part. But around the four minute mark, it has this really cool bluesy section that I actually like. Uh, but I mean, just one little section in a twelve minute song is hard to you know really. It was it was my my favorite song on the album back in the day. Really, like, like there's like a pro wrestling reference in there. Um, <laughs> That'll do it. That'll just, win Alex over any day. <laughs> also, like I thought that was like the prog jam on here, and then as like I listened to it more, I'm like, no, no, it's it's take the veil. That's the fucking yeah. that's the banger. Uh, and the second song, and this is why I couldn't give this best. Uh, one of the reasons I couldn't get this best, uh, this apparatus must be unearthed. And it comes right after those two songs Damn. back. That's 16 minutes straight of like, it's fine. And I only like it more because it comes after the song. I really don't like. So like it's, I, it's a huge chunk that just it's thrown in there and it just kind of like, all right, I gotta skip this. I do think that's the most unhinged song on the album. So, you know, Fair, fair enough. Uh, but I think we can come back together with Televators. That's got. Is that like this? Got to be some kind of hit or something. It, it wasn't, but it kind of paved the way for other things. And it, it, this they always like. They need to do the one acoustic track each album. They're always very pretty. Um, sometimes more than one per album. The. Yeah, the imagery in Televators is also really, really brutal. Yeah, it's about um, a friend of theirs died, right? <laughs> yeah, that which inspired the char- 
character of Serpent Tax, and yeah, Televators is him jumping off the fucking bridge. Very brutal description of mm. his face hitting the pavement, yeah. and it's just and like the- Cedric's. I really like Cedric Sleepers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I believe me. I have done plenty of singing along to that song in the car. Like, it's oh man, it's mind blowingly gorgeous, and it's also the most subdued song. And it that's why I like it more because it's Cedric still has to oversing in some parts of it because that's what he fucking does. But other than that. There's no real drums. It's just bongos, pretty much, uh, and other like percussive stuff, tambourines and stuff, or shakers rather. And yeah, it, it's really like, man, if this was a, you know, forty minute album, you cut out the fucking massive shit and you just squeeze it together in a <laughs> average length album. I I would think this is basically flawless. Like this is I I've this is the only one that I've. Uh, listen to of my own volition like a lot like i listen to this album i like it still my personal favorite but i still think they do they evolve in ways that kind of go past this i i agree it's um it's very very hard for me to you know hand out accolades for this but uh you know for the podcasts i did it indeed so this is alex's best my personal favorite uh and now we are moving on second album here we go. Oh boy. 2005. Francis the Mute. Of course, once again, I didn't pull it up. God, okay, you know what? I promise the next one, I will not announce the name of the album until I have it pulled up. Here we go. I will say this is like the perfect lineup to me here that they've assembled. It's not playing. Jesus Christ. Play, please. There we go. Again, I just, I don't know. I love, I, it's a slower paced intro, but. Oh, this is a great intro. This is a wonderful intro. Also, in, in like hindsight, just like I, knowing what you're getting into, if you're a fan of this album, I just think it's it's one of those things that like it somehow gets better by knowing what's coming. It's it's a really good intro. Yeah. Bam. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's a fucking. Ooh. Kicks you right in the nuts, some man. Some Espanole. Some Espanole. And that's about as mathy and rock, rock as you can get with the guitars. That bass is so good. Oh, I love that yeah, bass. Now they have, yeah, now they have Juan, and he is... Ah, uh, I just... Yeah, I'm just gonna crash about everyone in this band. And basically, if you're not on board with this song, just get off. This is train is yeah. This is a really fucking good song. Oh man. Oh, we, we jumped in a little bit. No, I know, I know. Uh, this song, there's plenty. No, no, I, I uh, very much knew it's coming later because this song, well, a little long. It's a little long. All these songs 
Somehow, like one. And even that one manages to drag it out two minutes longer than it fucking should. This album, man, I hated this album for a long time. I hated it. Like, it really. What's this one? Your ex showed you? This is not the one that my ex showed me. Okay. So, I. Real quick, personal favorite. This is the one that I just. This is your personal. (laughs) (laughs) I. the I pain. Spent, so I knew you were gonna hate it because all the the white noise. Um, but I've just I spent like so much time digging into it, and uh, this is probably like the error I saw them play the most, and it's just oh man, I'm real biased towards it. <laughs> uh, okay, that that's a that's the definition of a personal favorite. Uh, so. <sighs> Okay, okay. I I, heard, I listened to this after I had already was a huge fan of the first one. The way you would mm-hmm. one album, you go on to the next one, and I was so on board with that. And then the widow comes on. I'm like, I'm fucking on board. Then La La Via La, La Viaques or whatever the fuck. Uh, like it's it's grown on me. It grows on me, especially like the the super crazy Latin parts. I actually, like that that part has definitely oh, grown dude. on me. And then the 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 second half of the album fucking alienates me so so hard by the last track i'm actually mad and i thought that i was gonna let it go <laughs> and then i went because like this was easily least favorite like from the first time i heard it and then i was listening to the whole discography and i was like yeah this is still my least favorite there's nothing's gonna top this i fucking hate how much space and dicking around and like just nothing is, is crammed in here and then i eventually had to like no there's something else i dislike more i i do not the first half is so fucking good that it lets me let go a little bit of how much I hate the second half. I I really like the second half. Defend it. Give me your give me your reasons. To me, Cassandra Gemini is um, take the veil on like steroids. Um, I think you know it's just as epic. Uh, that's like half your concert right there. If you go see them and it's they play thirty fucking thirty two minutes. Sorry, thirty two minutes. Um, very inspired by, you know, King Crimson, Coltrane, Miles Davis, Bitches Brew. Yep. Yep. But those are one album. This is tacked on with other things. Um, so I can understand the, the fatigue to the point where this was, this had the title track was cut off the album because, and the title track is fucking cool. It kind of like ties it all together. But then I honestly like, think well, the, I so. honestly think they should have put the title track instead of this instead of Cassandra Gemini. Like I like yeah. it more. But this, honest, if if the album ended at Miranda, I would have been fine with this album. Like honestly, because Damn. the what is because like it, it's supposed to be like you know like a suite essentially a bunch of you know sub songs within it. The first one. It's it's all complicated, but I think the technically the second one, the first think, one's like thirty or thirty seconds long or something. But the second yeah. one is called uh, Planet Nail and the Naval Stream. That one's badass. I think um, also that's due also for people who <laughs> have, may have never listened to the Mars Volta. This is technically five tracks, mm-hmm. but it was split up, and I'm not a hundred percent sure. So you know, someone correct me or whatever but i think it had to do with some stupid label thing they're like well it's five tracks that's an ep well okay so i I did read about this um the 
they try to fuck them basically. They try to fuck them and say that if there's five tracks, we're only going to pay for an, an EP's worth of songs or whatever. Uh, so they they were forced to split up Cassandra Gemini into like um, it looks like eight tracks. No, no, yeah, around eight tracks. But that's not that's not what I'm uh, I'm reading it off of their description. So okay, so they, they the actual CD pressing the 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 sub names those are actually incorrect. Like it's split up incorrectly somehow uh, on their yeah. version. It's split up. The first sub song is called Tarantism. The second one, Plant a Nail on the Navel Stream. Third one, Famine Pulse. Fourth, Multiple Spouse Wounds. And then last one is like the, the little riff from the from the intro, uh, Sarcophagy or Sarcophagy. And um, Plant, a Nail, Plant a Nail on the Navel Stream, uh, it's, like, it's like four minutes and it's like a solid four minute banger. And then mm-hmm. Famine Pulse comes on. 16 and a half minutes of dicking around followed by multiple spouse wounds, which is 10 and a half minutes of dicking around. I'm out. I'm out, dude. I'm completely out. I mean, that's kind of what bitches brew is for miles Davis. I never um, like, I gave it like a once over years ago. I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, I will say another reason I like that song is like, I like the time between the main course. Like, I think the main course is real good. It's catchy. And then so when you go on these droughts and it like, it comes back at this, to me, it feels good. You know, it, honestly, it's not so much the, the ambience or like the, the, the strange noises and the, 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 the winding down and then building back up. It's not so much that that bothers me. It's actually, the jamminess of it, the the long, mm-hmm. you know, six minutes straight of this, this jam on this one riff, and then we're gonna throw a bunch of King Crimson uh, saxophones just fucking whittling around. That's the part that I have a problem with. It's so jam. Things that get too jammy, I just get bored, and that's what like I feel of them at their worst is me being bored, and uh, that like, if it wasn't for man, because even I thought because Miranda uh, that ghost just isn't holy anymore. Quite a long name. Even that song. Uh, it takes four and a half minutes to start. To start, it does. It does. There's a lot of white noise, ambient noise tacked on. Yeah. To most of these tracks, and then um, you were talking about the horns. They added horn player Adrian Gonzalez, mm-hmm. who would be with them for a good while. Um, lots of guests on here. You got Flea playing trumpet this time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the trumpet guy. Yeah. Yeah, you got John Frusciante, although I for, I think on Elvia, I forget what track. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, a guy named Larry Harlow, who, you know, their parents listened to uh, Latin musicians. So lots of guests. The Latinness on this album is pretty extreme. You better like Dude, some brown. Elvia, otherwise, you're not going to have a good time. El- yeah, Elvia's the ultimate love child. I mean, uh, Livia, I think it's Livia. Crimson. Livia, I was just kind of going. Uh, it's so funny singing as a very white person yeah. singing things in Spanish. You, you just go like phonetically. So like I, in I, my yeah. head, uh, I'm I'm a half Mexican, so and I was raised around all that stuff. So I I, I can read Spanish, but like um, can't can't understand it, can't speak it, but I can read it just fine. It's so fucking weird. Um, but yeah, I, the, that, I do know he kind of. It seems like he kind of takes some liberties with the way certain Spanish words are pronounced to, mm-hmm. um, as you're always talking about, you know, fitting words into 
into the song. Yeah. Basically. Bending so. words. Rappers do it a lot. I think it's really cool. Um, and I thought that because his voice is already getting a little bit more upfront here, like the way it's produced. And he has a, he has a goofy voice. It's really, it's really kind of Muppety almost. And, uh, yeah. he, oddly enough, him going crazy full falsetto makes it bearable. Like him <laughs> over singing makes it better. And like, I've noticed like the more low he sings, the more bothered I get. So after like listening to the full, every album and then coming back to this one, um, I was like appreciative of how his voice sounded on here when I initially hated it. So like, it's like this weird Stockholm syndrome that I've kind of put myself into <laughs> just like to appreciate this band. Like, uh, again, I don't love them, but I still like, I can see why people don't respond, uh, with so much nausea, uh, that I had initially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my way of understanding. Um, yeah, also uh, how the last album was inspired by a friend who died this time by someone who was their sound manipulator who died a month before DeLaus came out. Um, this is inspired. He used to be a repo man, mm-hmm. and he found this weird di- diary in the back of a car he repossessed. So this is kind of like a uh, kind of like an interpretation of that in his. In his honor, each song is a character. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very dark shit for those who want to uh, want to dig into, you know, the themes, and yeah. the concepts of the uh, album. Before we move on, uh, the, the widow has to be hit, right? It's got to be hit. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I. It's funny that was like a big hit, and I'm like, dude. So many stupid people bought this album. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, I mean, it's admittedly a real good song. It is not. That is not a. That is the least representative track on the album. It's like a. It's the, it's like a, a heavier rocking version of Televators. Not literally, but like it's that kind of ballad, but just heavier. Um, yeah. It's a great um, ballad. Yeah. Very like seedy when you dig into it. I remember. Um, reading an interview with John Theodore and he said uh, he was inspired by Zeppelin since I've been loving you. So definitely that's hear a lot drumming, of that. Yeah. The drumming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, absolutely. Drummings and triplets. Yeah. Lots of baby, baby, yeah. baby. <laughs> uh, that, that song is actually, I mean, it's like, it's actually sexy. I did write that in my notes and what's sexier than Led Zeppelin. I'll tell you what women that are of age. So moving on. <laughs> where are we at this is so this is your personal favorite i'm surprised you blew your loads so early the first two albums so early oh it's not something i do with pleasure uh it's it's kind of like no one blows their loads kids. with pleasure alex no no hard hardy uh pe going on here <laughs> so here we go this Nope, I'm not going to announce it until I have it pulled up. There we go. There we go. I fixed my mistake. This is next album, 2006. I can say it right. I swear to God, I can say it right. Amputature? Amputature. Amputature. Fuck you. That's what the name of the album. right. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I didn't... I know this song, this song takes a long time to start, but I didn't note exactly how long. Yeah, this is uh, sadly their last album with John Theodore. Is it? Is it? And there we go. I don't know if there was. 
I don't know if it was like on purpose, but I feel like the drums are kind of mixed low on this album, and I don't know if that was like a fuck you to him, but like I also don't believe in sabotaging your own band. To- Absolutely not. That's literally taking money out of your own pocket so stupid although greg ginn sure did that on uh in my head from black flag episode 24 by the way if you want to go way back this is the uh the mellowest of openers it reminds me a lot of um funkadelic's uh maggot brain interesting like Mega Brain's like classic track to me. I get a lot of a lot of Mega Brain vibes from this. This intro is the slowest burn, the slowest buildup. It is the complete opposite of the last two albums, and I think it's brilliant. It's a brilliant thing to do yeah. if you're looking at the discography as a whole chronology, like a whole. If you're looking as the uh, every album as a as one song, an album. This third track, so to speak, having this slow buildup is is brilliant. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird that fans kind of consider this the redheaded stepchild. I'm like, really, this album? Is it is it because there's a gigantic red head on the cover of the album? Maybe I think you know this was kind of a a a, uh, a changing uh, going on mm-hmm. where like you know it's different artwork where yeah. like the other ones are like photorealistic and yeah. If I was gonna rate my opinion on the artwork I, I'd have to say Francis the Mute is the best cover I think that's a, a really and fucking good cover also like all psychedelic album covers or you know concept bands you know you can kind of like pick these little like weird things going on in the album covers mm-hmm. finally two and a half minutes he finally comes in god damn this this it's so subtle that baseline. It's literally three notes, but goddamn, does it does it move? Also, I didn't talk about Omar's uh, production style on the last album. Um, this one, he just taught for Shante all the guitar parts so he could focus purely on producing. Really? So, like, he did some overdubbing and, and you know added layers there, but for the most part, what you're hearing is all John Frusciante. Interesting. Very interesting. That's... Yeah, this song has uh, about four minutes left, and it goes places. Trust me, it goes places, but we're not going to yeah. get there. Uh, to, to really to, to continue off of the Omar thing, it actually... That you said that really makes a thing I said earlier make way more sense about how he doesn't really strike me as like this amazing guitar player like he can do what he needs to do he he just strikes me more as a, a guy who makes music who happens to use guitar to make music and this it makes perfect would, sense that he just kind of delegated it to someone else completely I think he would probably agree with that actually you know from what you know interviews i've seen and stuff Mm. um it's an interesting choice because it makes a lot of sense like okay you want to focus solely on production but then it's like is that really faster wouldn't this be faster to fucking but it's not not necessarily faster but more you have more bandwidth to Mm -hmm. focus on this because like 
producing in itself is a it's like playing several instruments it's really it's a really hard thing to do it takes a lot of time and it's a whole different skill it's a completely different skill so i could see that would be pretty exhausting by the way best album interesting yeah um yeah i think there's some you know i like all the songs on here um although i'm just gonna skip straight to it how do you feel about day of the baphomets hold on hold on well it's like it's long it's long it is long it's not their longest every no no every song let me read y'all all all right everyone listening (laughs) i'm gonna let me read y'all the lengths of times on each of these songs first first track seven minutes Second track, 16, almost 17 minutes. Third track, four minutes, eh, being modest. Third, tra- I mean, sorry, fourth track, 11 minutes. <laughs> Fifth track, six minutes. Uh, sixth track, uh, nine minutes. Seventh track, 12 minutes. Final track, nine minutes. So it's a little lengthy. And that is, once again, like I said at the, at the top, they've never made an album that wasn't too long. And this one mm-hmm. pissed me off too long it's just too <laughs> fucking long this album is two 10 minute songs too long but david baphomets has a lot of sh- cool shit it has a lot of cool shit however you know where i'm going yeah there is a moment that i will pull up right now at 10 minutes 18 seconds where cedric's voice does a thing that made me laugh out loud <laughs> Maybe laugh out loud. Uh, I thought it was ridiculous. I'm going to find it right now. So talk while I find it. Thoughts? While you're pulling that up, there is a, uh, a Congo break in the middle of the song. Uh, it's very, uh, it feels like a cliche, like prog, mm-hmm. like, oh, of course the, the jam prog rock band has like a Congo part, but it's fucking, it's awesome. Um, it's, you know, something to experience live as I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Stuff is a lot of the stuff that I have a problem with being on the album, the jamminess and the fucking, you know, extending everything to be 20 minutes. That stuff usually works live on. It's like for most bands, uh, I just have a problem with it with album formats, but here is a section of day of the bathments that I, I want to talk about. Here we go. Let's do it. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy okay so that's that's like the peak of his falsetto ridiculousness it is not the style that he does that i hate the most that is not the thing i hate the most he does things that i hate more than that but that made me laugh that made me fucking laugh my god um What's like? Okay, so uh, so the reason why I had to get this best, uh, despite the fact that I do feel like it's way too fucking long. Is how long is this thing actually? It's like an hour, an hour sixteen. Yeah, an hour sixteen minutes. Jesus Christ! Um, but because for for one, the intro was like it's such a fucking great choice. Like I I was I was gushing when it was playing about how slow it is and how. It's set, it's a full on seven minute song that feels entire like a, a, one gigantic build up and then it builds up into uh, Telegrammatron, which is 
like I said, 16 minutes, but it fucking, the whole 16 minutes works for me. Like it, it's this massive, essentially <laughs> an intro, a seven minute intro into this huge payoff. And because it's, it's at the beginning of the album, no, there's no fatigue yet. It's just like, this is how they fucking, it's like the same way. Um, I'm of course, I'm forgetting the, the first song on the last album, uh, Cygnus, Visman Cygnus or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, that song is like what? 13 minutes, but it, it like to, to, there's no, like I said, there's no fatigue yet. So just to kind of, there, there's, I've heard a lot of examples of starting out albums with long songs that I don't think works. Like one example is, um, Shellac, uh, the album Terraform. I forgot the name of the song. The, it's the first song. It's like 12 minutes. And I think it has the opposite effect where starting the album out with a super long song kind of drags the whole thing down. Even though I do like the album mm-hmm. here, starting it out with something super long has the opposite effect because it's like I was complaining about how the album, how Francis the Mute ends with 30 minutes when it should have just fucking stopped because I was already tired <laughs> here. I wasn't tired yet. So I'm, I'm still into it and it feels like I'm rambling. Sorry, but uh tetragrammatron sounds like several songs in one. Each feels crazy and distinct in its own way. Uh And I don't know, man, there's just so much, there's that song alone. How, how the fuck can you, begin there's too many that, things happening that's like yeah that's like non-stop shredding in that song yeah um and then like viscera eyes is just a fucking banger i love mm. um I, I like Wands playing a lot on this album i think not that he's like a slouch or anything but it feels like there's a lot of moments on this album where the bass is highlighted like mm. the opening of day yeah. of baphomets um and then I also think it's like their best, you know, acoustic song, uh, Asilos Mag- Magdalene. Uh, yeah, Magdalena. Like, yeah. I, I love, I love that. Even like the fucking, the evil fucking weird vocals at the end. It's just. That song um, I think is hilariously dramatic and it's also the most Latin thing they've done up to this point. Still works. Well written as fuck. Good guitar work. And it's also I mean, placed perfectly in the album. It's right in the middle. That's most Latin music, though, right? It's it's very dramatic, uh, yeah. Very over dramatic. Um, I like the also this like not a concept album, but um, from here on out, there's there's lots of themes. A very like anti religion band, and uh, that's uh, like a consistent from here on out. Uh, one more thing. I want, no, there's a couple things I want to mention. Vermicide. Again, it's like these are all just really solid songs that I feel are placed fucking perfectly. Whereas there were it's with the, the previous two albums, everything was so crazy that it was kind of hard to get a feel for the pacing for it. Um, even even with Delaus, which is like arguably straightforward for the standards, but this one has like like really distinct personalities with each song that all blend into each other, and it just feels so cohesive. It feels like it feels like a like a really it feels like a really written album it feels more like an album than a lot of this stuff also it was like way too quick or i think like way too quick it's like only a year after which is you know for these yeah these massive you know these yeah these epic you know epic songs but um 
I like Vermicide. I think there's like real interesting choices made on that song that pay off. Um, I'm surprised you weren't annoyed by the vocals at the end. They uh... there is a lot of vocals on this album. <laughs> I, and honestly, I, I timestamped uh, Day of the Baphomets. That's not my only timestamp. I have a timestamp yeah. also for Visser Eyes. I don't think I, I need to go to there, but like, uh, and also when I, fir- I first heard this album, uh, maybe a couple years ago, and I was into it then the same way I was into it now. And then the thing that broke me, the thing that, that made me like, okay, I'm out was, uh, of course I can't say it. Mech, uh, mech touch. Mech texture. Yeah. And it, what it is, it's a fine, it's super, it's 11 minutes and there's like a lot of jamminess to it. It's not like necessarily, it doesn't necessarily feel like it needs to be 11 minutes. Uh, but it's not that bad. What it is, is Cedric saying, it's over and over and over again and i i listened to it with headphones when i first heard it. i was like oh i actually had to rip out one ear i was like fuck this guy oh my god and not the uh not the same effect as now i'm lost no not the and and partly like i said with that one uh, with that whole album, I think it has to do a lot to do with the mixing of it. His voice is just so much more in there, in your fucking eardrum, uh, as well as he's not doing a falsetto there. He's doing his lower, nasalier, more annoying kind of chest voice. I, I don't. He's a goofy voice, and he's, a lot of it just pisses me off. There, it really pisses me off. Uh, not a deal breaker for me anymore. Uh, I kind of got over it for the most part, but <laughs> uh, the only thing I can't get over is just how how long it is. Like. All the, the the final tracks like uh Siervo Vulnerado Vulnerado. I can't I can't say it, I have no accent. Um like I like all those songs. Like all the all the songs toward the end, they're all good. It's just it's at the point where I'm exhausted. That's the that's actually the first song I don't I don't care for. Mm, interesting, interesting. That's the first one where I'm like, uh, if I don't hear it, uh whatever. Uh I think I like the the noir the noirness of the intro. Uh, I think it's pretty twisted as a overall. I but I'm also not a I'm not a big fan of that abrupt ending where they it's like you think that it's gonna it's like really out of nowhere. You think it's gonna drift off and then they cut it short. A lot of a lot of albums do that, and sometimes it works. Um, there's a very I've noticed I haven't I can't think of too many examples of where I think it works that well. Uh, aside from like a lingua ignota or something like that, that's one that I think works pretty well. But like this one, I'm wearing the shirt. Jesus Christ! Uh, didn't, that was a complete accident. Didn't realize that. Um, uh, but this, yeah, that that abrupt ending feels like it should have kind of led to a more, you know, soothing. That 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 cutoff is pretty jarring. Um, but other than that, other than other than those things, I think it's a very well done album. Uh, can't even deny it. No matter how much this guy's voice bothers me, how much like the, just the drawn outness of the band in general bothers me. Uh, this one works. I think I'm going to go back to this one a lot. Also, if anyone's listening and you think this album is the redheaded stepchild, why explain I, to us? When you said that, I was I worried like either. how I don't, I don't even, this feels like their creative peak. Honestly, like this feels like the most, uh, on the same page everybody is with each other everything feels so natural here i mean yeah it's definitely if if you're a fan of the drummers it's the end of an era here for uh john theodore so it's also like bitter bittersweet yeah but it's time to move on we have 
three more or is it two more two more two more um no, three. three there's three more shit you're right fuck we gotta speed this up this is <laughs> god damn it <laughs> we get we get we get caught up we get we get uh you know we have fun uh so this is 2008's the bedlam in goliath Just a fucking a giant explosion hitting you there. This is cranked up to eleven. It is all the fucking time. It is. It's probably one of my like I don't know if I want to use beloved, but like one of my favorite albums that I have a lot of like mixed feelings about. Interesting. Interesting. This so, this this one thing I did appreciate about this intro, specifically this song, is once again complete opposite of the last one. This it's like a spitting in the face of the last album, really. So I can't really think of a lot of bands where bringing in a new drummer has like really like transformed the band the way bringing in Thomas Pridgen does here. Mm -hmm. And I really think him and Omar are just bad for each other. This is like peak peak excess mm. the drumming is fucking unhinged it like, is it is absolutely unhinged and i have to go on keep going oh go oh oh yeah sorry dude least favorite i i'm not even mad at that i but like i love it i love it a lot but it's just like like it's i i think it was just like omar discovering oh thomas can play these insanely fast crazy yeah things do that on every every song, because, song yeah and because yeah. this this a dictatorship as we established earlier yeah. so this song i mean sorry this this album beat me into the ground when i first heard yes. it like I, I i couldn't believe how much i could i wasn't enjoying it and and i thought like i didn't think anything was going to top my distaste for Francis the mute, like the second half of it. <laughs> and then I had to like, I went back and then I was like, no, this one it's not that these songs are particularly bad. I do think there's some really bad stuff on here, but this is the album where I hate Cedric. I hate him so much. <laughs> I fucking hate his voice on every song. He's not singing the way he was. He's doing mm-hmm. a lot of chest voice Everything sounds like that. It, it sounds like a. It sounds like a, he's mocking himself almost. Um, it's it's really nasally, buzzy sound, and I never thought I would miss the fucking screechy falsettos more. Uh, yeah, I could. I couldn't believe that I was missing them. It's just, it's a really weird creative choice, and I will say that this is the only album he really does it on. Yeah, I think, you know, the the vocals are a reflection of the drumming and guitar playing. And it's just, it reminds me of that scene in Walk Hard when he does cocaine for, for the first time. <laughs> and they're like, you're playing like some kind of punk. And it's just like, faster, faster. Like, it reminds me of that. But I don't know. I still, I like 
I like a lot of it. I think that opening song, this like it grew on me. I like Metatron. I like um, it too. Yeah, it's a good song. This face melting riffs on that one. Um, there's even like a pretty part. Um, El Elena. Oh, oh yeah, Elena um, uh, or uh, Iliana. It's like I don't know. It's, what, like, it's the it's Helen Mirren's birth name, right? Yeah, that's like one of the few points on the album where like you can breathe a little bit. Actually, um, first of all, I mean, <laughs> for a little bit until the drums come in. I think the drums are fucking incredible. <laughs> but that's the uh, that's every that's everything Thomas does pretty much. <laughs> but the vocal line to that song, I swear to God, dude, it sounds just like the guitar line in "How Soon Is Now" by the Smiths. Oh, I'm gonna go back and dude. It, 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 everyone knows that sure influenced. Yeah, everyone knows what that guitar line sounds like. The most famous Smith song, aside from this charming man. Tell me, Cedric does not sound like that guitar on this song. I hope it comes in sooner rather than later. Knowing them might take a minute. Not that. God damn it. It's going to take a while. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to talk over it. Well, um, and honestly, like I, I actually didn't mind this song up until the last section, the last section. It was, it was a deal breaker. That, that last section, I hate it so much. It made me hate it right there. And it's not just the vocal line, it's the way it's, it's the effects on his voice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so that song <laughs> fucking bothers me. Uh, Ex- experience this album in real time was interesting too, because the first thing they, like, that the public heard was Wax Simulacra. Sim- sim- oh, uh, yeah, Simulacra. Uh, or simulacra, sorry. Simulacra. Um, We're fucking words, man. Was, Fuck you guys. That wasn't even like that was so like what the fuck? They put out like a two minute song. Yeah. So it was uh but it, I think it's you know a good song. It's, it's short and sweet, it's a good song. Uh, actually the the first version of this album that I got that I listened to, it was just missing, which is like Dude, fuck you, Apple. Why? Like, there wasn't even really? any, any indicator that it was missing. It was just missing. I had to figure that out later on by, like, you know, reading stuff. That was like, oh, I missed the whole song. I have to go back, listen to it with the song. Uh, really weird. But um, the another problem I have with this album, it's not so much a problem. It just makes me feel like they're 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 running out of steam a little bit. Was um, it's a little it's a little derivative. I hate using words like that. Um, but fucking um what's it called Ugh, of course I can't find it goliath like it's badass oh. but that main riff is just yeah. kind of doom from black sabbath is it i i don't i really like it um it's great no i still I, like it a lot but yeah i was like just like fiending for mars volta so i would buy like omar solo albums and it's his solo albums are kind of like a testing ground, so like I was familiar with the riff and always thought it was badass. 
and then he just like transformed it and turned it into a Volta song as I I think he should have. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that's not the only yeah, only instance where I it feels like they're just kind of channeling stuff like the Cavalettas. Uh, there's a whole proggy saxophone wank fest toward the end. It, it sounds just like the saxophone wank fest in 21st Century Schizoid Man uh, from King Crimson. I guess there's, <laughs> there's only so much you can do with saxophones in prog rock. It really, it really is. <laughs> but yeah, I also think, um, you know, this was inspired by like an evil Ouija board they, they had because, of course, you know, being being of Mexican heritage, of course, they're, you know, into the spiritual, the yeah. supernatural. They they thought they had a, a haunted Ouija board. I think, like, the story behind it also is appealing to some people, but mm-hmm. um, I do think Soothsayer is an underrated track in their, in their songography. Yeah. Uh, yeah, catalog, uh, discography. You know, I agree. Catalog. Yeah. I yeah. I just think that song's so underrated. I don't even know if I've if they've played it live. But um, it's the, I would, it sounds like it would be hard to play live. There's a lot of like, I mean, not just the production stuff, but a lot of Eastern instruments in there. Uh, mm-hmm. it, like, I, man, I even like I wrote that I like the song, but Cedric's dumb fucking voice just makes me laugh at everything. <laughs> like I, it's just hard to get over. But there's like toward the end, there's like um like recordings it sounds like of you know like a, like a church hymns and stuff and it's it's the way it's it's fucking mixed uh it sounds just just dirty enough just grimy enough and just buried enough to make it really creepy mm, love it love shit like that yeah uh omar actually recorded that when he went to jerusalem so he was just like whenever there was like chanting he would this I'm assuming his phone, unless he was walking around Jerusalem with record, which maybe he was, but, um, no, you can make, even if it, yeah, even if it did sound good, you can, the yeah, you, you can make anything sound in any way you want producing it. Uh, last thing I'll say, uh, conjugal burns. Yeah. It's an, it's an okay song, yeah. but, uh, there's, there's a lyric that makes me laugh because it sounds like he says, I've got a penis inside that could rip through the very fabric of time. Oh my god! But of course, Bragger. it's pain, pain inside. But it sounds like, and yeah, this is the visual of a penis ripping through the fabric of time is. Uh, Some of us don't have to imagine it, Alex. I'm kidding, but <laughs> no, that song. Uh, I, th- I thought it was pretty funny. I think the like the as a the the it's not like the most interesting riffs. It's pretty generic. The presentation is solid though. I think it's pretty fun. But uh, overall, like most of these, like. Jesus Christ, Tourniquet Man has to be the weakest written song they've done up to this point. Uh, yeah, that's the the second time I'm like, mm-hmm. don't care about. Yeah, don't care about a song. The same thing. I feel the same thing with like um, Escapios. Uh, even though it, I'd like that, it has a lot of Batmanness to it. If that makes any sense, a lot of like the Tim Burton Batman <laughs> stuff. It feels like that. Uh, but there's a lot of fat on it. I feel like, and uh, obviously, there's like I, a lot. I feel like I feel like a, a, a lot of Robert Plant is going into that song feel so much Robert Plant on that song. I think that song is an example where like, okay, Thomas doesn't need to be cranked up to an 11. Yeah. Like if he reined it in, I think it would help the song. Um, The last nice thing I will say, uh, uh, I got this. I got, I got this. Yeah. (laughs) A G A D E Z. Weird words. Uh, 
like it despite Cedric. I think it's uh, some weird vocal choices overall. There's like some weird like low voices that pop in every now and then. It's kind of silly. Uh, good song though. But again, this is another think, fucking uh, hour and that's some excellent bass playing on that song. Mm-hmm. Real quick. Uh, but again, this song I have no idea why it's so long. I just I can't fucking for the life. Of, this has forty minutes written all over it. Every song is like at, at you know eleven. It's super fast. The drummer's going batshit. Everything is pretty cranked up, and yet it's still an hour and twenty minutes. Like how much yeah. can we fucking take of this? This I I couldn't I couldn't. Like every time I, I I started up again, like I'm sold. Like the first few tracks, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then halfway through, like I can't believe, I can't believe how much there was left. I just can't believe how much is left. I mean, at the time, I thought, you know, maybe it's gonna be like real punk rock. Like maybe mm-hmm. all the songs are gonna be two minutes, which would would have been crazy. But it would have been actually a very interesting step in a direction. It would have actually been a type of progr- or a type of evolving. Like, I think that would have been like the logical next step. Like they did half of it. They made it super speedy, crazy, which is the opposite of the, of the last one, but they still found a way to drag it out, make fucking nine minute songs. And like, fuck man, that's exhausting. I also think there's part of me where like, each album, the Delouse purists, the the Epic Drive-In purists, were getting more and more pissed off. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, oh, if you hate it, I fucking love it. So all right, <laughs> but even despite all the the you know in depth shit, I'm talking about this overall. The thing that made me gave least favorite Cedric's vocals. That was the thing. Like here, that's, they're that's so they're so. They're so specific to this album. They sound such a specific way on this album. It's like I said, super nasally, super buzzy. It's just, I, oh man, I, it's just I, really I, rough. I know they had a lot of problems recording it. Like Omar's studio got flooded. And mm. I wonder if that, like, you know, the whole like being haunted thing played into it or whatever, but whatever it was, I'm glad it's pretty much gone by the next one. But let us move on to I'm talking very slowly. I wonder why I'm talking slowly, Alex, is because I'm pulling it up as we speak. It is. This is 2009's Octahedron. And uh, as it's being pulled up, uh, the saxophonist Adrian was asked to leave, as was sound manipulator Paul Hinojones from uh, At The Drive-In. Why, why is that? Um, I think they they realize I'm I'm purely speculating here. I, I'm, but to me, I think they were like, "Whoa, that was that was fucking excessive." Let's let's rein it in. Let's uh-huh. have less people. That's in the ex- band. That is exactly what I feel from this whole album. Is like, okay, okay, let's let's take a step back let's here. Cut the brakes, yeah. And as you can hear, this is quite the mellow opening. Not unlike uh, yes, I'm This is to me, you know, up there with like the Televators, the Widow. Yeah. Uh, longer, but yeah. still very pretty, very pretty acoustic. And all, and also, you'll hear Cedric's voice is not pissing me off right now. It's not. Mm-hmm. He's back to his more light there's like a lot of lightness to it more also, breathy not that there, 
not that they're bad at acoustic songs they're very good at it but i feel like they also kind of fight them like they were never not really played live they kind of just felt not like tacked on in a force way so it was interesting like oh you're opening with this like good for you guys yeah the only time i felt that the instrument uh, i'm sorry the acoustic stuff was tacked on was delau was because it, it seemed like it came it's so vastly different uh this well this one is a very different situation there's a lot of acoustic stuff on here uh, let's let's lower it. This, this is a very lengthy song, unsurprisingly. Um, What's well, not? You know, to be fair, it's only like five and a half minutes, which is short for them. Also, that's uh, an example of like the drumming is bonkers, but it's not overbearing. Mm-hmm. So this whole album is okay. We're sorry for the last one. Uh, let's, since they've been wrong, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I like this album a lot. I was uh not expecting to like this album going in it's uh yeah very again you know not a a concept album there's themes of kidnapping people vanishing uh the persecution of women through history so um yeah i remember this came out and i was i was lukewarm on it at first but it's really like it's really grown on me i think there's some like really catchy songs this mm. is like the closest thing you're gonna get to the volta doing a pop album in my opinion 100 percent. and i would say this one along with delaos these are the easiest entry points these are the most accessible these are the probably going to scare you off the least uh and this is one thing that I, I would say is almost very close to being unique to this album <laughs> they let you know when the song ends <laughs> they go out of their fucking way to like, okay, this song is going to end right here and we're going to wait a cool 10 seconds before the next song starts. There is so much blank space in between each one. Not ambient stuff, not experimental proggy stuff. Literally, this is the end of it. Are you ready? Okay, now here's the second one. You know, Here's the next song. Like, it, There's so much awesome. effort to distinguish every single song on here. Also, total album time coming in at a cool 50 minutes shortest album shortest album 50 yeah. they made it under an hour the only album to make it under an hour still feels too long still feels too long to me <laughs> yeah the only time i feel like they're unhinged is uh Cotopaxi, a real wild song yeah i i, good, I don't good. i don't love it i don't hate it i don't hate it either though i feel i feel like the uh the man riff is pretty good but uh as a whole i don't know it didn't rub me one way or the other um, I really like Teflon. I think um, yeah. it's one of the few songs where Prigion is playing simple things. Um, oh, dude. The main. Oh, no, keep going. Oh, the, I don't know. Also, the main courses get stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, let the wheels burn, stack stack them up with the body inside. I love like the visual. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a catchy, catchy song. Uh, this. I think I heard, I think I actually did hear this album maybe once a long time ago, and the one song stuck with me from that listen, and it was very nice going back to it. And that will be "Halo of Nembutals, 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 Nembutals." Halo I, of I believe it's Nembutals that. because it's a uh, a drug they they use in not uh, in executions when they, oh. when they put people to yeah lethal injections, sends them to death. Yeah, 
There's like three drugs that they give you in their lethal injection. Yeah, yeah, this is one of them. Uh, that is one of my favorite songs of theirs, period. Uh, and the funny thing about that, the funny thing about that song specifically is that that's kind of the only song on the album where he sings the way I fucking hate, the way he did on the last album. That's like the only <laughs> song on the album where he sings like an asshole, yet it's my favorite song on the album. Interesting. Great Interesting. Um, yeah, that's that's the song where I'm like, oh, it's okay, but the more I listen to it, I just, yeah, I think it's a great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some first thing on the album that like feels like quote unquote prog rock. So, um, very cool. I really like twilight as my guy, Mm -hmm. but I do think it could have maybe been shorter. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, I do like the, the they do this every now and then where they'll, they'll throw in a little bit of Morricone, a little bit of Westernness to it. You know, the occasional trumpet, obviously, uh, we've we've heard in the past, but, uh, Every time, anytime you bring a little bit of Marconi in there, I'm already a little bit biased toward you. I'm already a little bit like, eh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which they, you know, they are fans of him. Wait, so. which which song did you say they came out to live? Uh, the, the man with the harmonica theme, I believe. Wait, which movie is that from? Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. That's right. That's right. That's a good one. That's good. That is a good one to walk in because Metallica took Ecstasy of Gold. So, and you know what? I, I feel like such a fucking hack because I actually plan to do the same thing, but from a, a completely different one, a different movie, but still Morricone. But the fact that it's Morricone makes me like second guess that. Uh, but it's still, I'm not going to say it, but still, it's not those ones. God damn it. It's not even those, those movies, yeah. but still. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. This on a side note, one of the greatest composers ever. Ever. Um, ever. Yeah. And uh, back to this, I think Desperate Graves is another underrated Voltic yeah. Jam. Pretty good. Um, I mean, I don't know what's rated or underrated with these guys, but I do like it. I do like it. Also, I think this was like, this era was like the last time I saw them live. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, I had no idea. But um, right. yeah. I had no idea it was going to be my last. But uh, Never do. Yeah. Uh, so it's so funny. Like, this is technically a neutered Volta, but... A neutered Volta is still fairly complex, still pretty interesting. Uh, and even even though it is a hefty chunk shorter than the rest, like by the time you know Copernicus comes on, like I I like it. It should have ended with it though. Like, yeah, I think Copernicus and Lucha for L- Luciforms. I think your your brain's in Luciform. wrestling wrestling yeah, mode. Sorry. Also, you know, I said that song. I forgot to bring up the lyric, but he says he says something about turning heel. In oh, that's it. right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those two songs are are on the weaker side of things. But if this kind of feels like, oh, maybe we need like some comfort food, so. Luciforms is kind of like Mars Volta comfort food, yeah. even if it's not the most memorable. Copernicus, I like it. It's very pretty, but it also is like the third super duper slow ballad on the album. And by that point, like you don't really need one at this this point in the album. Like, you, you knocked it out of the park with the, the intro and then the one in the middle of the album. Putting it at yeah. the end like this just drags it out, drags it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the most interesting part about that is the electronic part which yeah. kind of feels like some foreshadowing it sounds like a like fucking apex twin it's like that style of 
I, 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 of course, I don't know what to call it, but if you've heard Apex Twin, you know that those fast, crazy, all over the place buzzing, uh, you know, let's just say future sounds. There's a lot of yes. that. I do dig it. I do dig it. Um, but yeah, good album. Uh, man, it's like a total correction album. It's total. Let's just try to be cool for a second. And I think it works. I think it works real well. And now we are on finally, man, is a, we knew it was gonna be a long episode. We knew it, but last album, there's only one thing neither of us have said yet. So I feel like we got along more, way more than I thought we would this episode. That always happens. I know. That always happens. I know. So we are here. Finally, last album. This is 2012's Nocturnicate. And uh, Thomas Pritchett with the Thomas Pritchett with the what? Oh, he he left. Now they have a new drummer. Um, then Tony Parks, who I think fits them better. Mm-hmm. But because this album. Is so fucking weird. I don't know if a lot of fans like realize what a good fit he is for the band. Why do you say that he is? Um, just because he he toured with them before, like in between drummers, and it just sounded more like a logical like John Theodore replacement. Instead of bringing in this guy who sounds like a horse on cocaine kicking a bar door. He's good. Time. He's real good. He, no, he's, <laughs> he's amazing. Uh, but he does do a lot. I've, I've thrown some shade, but uh, I will say Thomas is like one of the most talented yeah. drummers ever. If you're bored listening to this, everybody, you're not alone. No, no, you aren't, even as a hard group. And sadly, this is one of the most interesting songs. It is. But I had to let that play with with no interruption. Like that, this whole section. This is like their electronic. Okay. Uh, It's going to be hard to do it in unison because of the delay. But how do you feel, Alex? Worst, least favorite. Worst for me. Yeah, this... Um, and it, Hey, hey, Alex. This was the album my ex 10 years ago told me to start with. What the fuck is wrong with her? That's what I said. And that's why we're not why? together anymore. <laughs> this is strictly for like hardcore fans. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, it doesn't even sound like Mars Vault at all. This whole album something was written by someone else. This is man, this is it's like obvious now. Like this is a band on their last legs. Um Yeah. It seems very yeah, it was, seems very obvious going into this one. Um there was some burnout on Cedric's part because you know, um despite how people may feel about his vocal choices, you know, his his lyrics are really in depth and crazy. And he was like, he's just burnt out. He's like, I can't fucking, like, I can't keep up. Mm -hmm. And so Centric was like, here's the fucking music. Write them whenever. I mean, a year pass. 
a year pass and then like two years pass and uh then he he wrote the lyrics and uh omar kind of felt like he he's like i wrote this shit like two years ago i have no no connection to it yeah Yeah, and that happens it shows yeah it shows there there's so many there's so many things so many strange things about this album the the most offensive i would say is beginning the album with two of their ugliest songs that they've ever written the whip hand which you were just hearing and aegis the two of the most hideous riffs in in those both of those songs and honestly Aegis, I think it sounds like fucking Radiohead. A lot of this sounds like Radiohead, but that song specifically sounds like uh, uh, Hail to the Thief era Radiohead. It sounds, it's weird. Interesting. I felt like that was more of like a traditional Volta song. Like, like I think the the craziest fucking song is the the Milk and Jewel. Oh, the Milk and Jewel. Okay. I, also, I strong. I have a lot to say about that song. Also, I've been waiting to talk about this song because earlier you said you didn't like when he goes low, and he said his vocal performance was inspired by Nick Cave here. And I know, like, yeah. Cool. And you know why I know? So, uh, you know why I know? Let them have it. That's exactly what I was gonna say now because it's not. In, this is far past inspired by Nick Cave. This is the most, the biggest Nick Cave ripoff I've ever heard. There is no everything about what he's doing is just. How can I sound exactly like Nick Cave? It's even him yeah, saying, you know, even him saying clickety clack. That's a Nick Cave thing to, to throw in sound. Nick, yeah. 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 You know, uh, jingling Jack yeah, he goes yakety yak. Like that's such a Nick Cave thing to do. And just the types of Mallies where he goes high at the very end of like the certain phrases where he tries to do the, the, the gruff thing right there when he doesn't have that much of a low voice, which is a total Nick, Nick Cave thing to do where he goes gruff when his voice doesn't go that low. Uh, it's just, it's, I like it. I like that he's doing something different. I like the song. I don't like how much I noticed it off the bat. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> he actually said the first, um, not like the first take, but the first like cut. He's like, no, no, it's too much. So he went and redid it to this is try him. to get away from it. This is him sounding less like Nick Cave. <laughs> yeah, this is him trying to get away from it. Oh man, it was, it was glaring. It was glaring. Uh, and again, I like. I, I don't even dislike the way his voice sounds on it. It's just the choices are so very, very clearly. Uh, inspired is a is a generous thing to say it's it's blatant it's blatant um also uh ike was credited but he did not play on this album i believe he was kicked out mm-hmm. and everyone's uh, kicked out at this point there's there's kind of a level of like nepotism because it's like oh uh marcel started off as like you know the guy playing the bongos now he's doing like the keyboards uh-huh. and the synths and it's like oh yeah of course like omar's brother isn't going to get kicked out of yeah, the band yeah no way uh yeah i think it sounds complicated I think the, the song that had like the most potential is in absentina but it like yeah doesn't get over sounding more like an intro. That's actually a very interesting way to put it. That song. So this whole thing has really fucking wild production. And 
the thing about in absentina or in in absent yeah in ab- absentia absentia it might be absentia it's absentia it's a uh it's a term use when they have a trial for someone who's not not present. It sounds they, like a fucking legal term. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, that song, it feels lost. It feels like it has no idea how, how it's gonna, where it's going to go. It, like the beginning of the song doesn't know how it's going to end. And somehow I kind of like the way it ends up. Like it, it feels like it kind of works in that case. I don't, it isn't, I don't know how intentional that is, but the production of it feels feels the most spacey, the most drifty, the most lost. I, I actually think it, it kind of works. Um, but the writing, not just on, I can name any fucking song, really. The writing is so, so, so much weaker than every other album. It's like, I think, how can you even compare it? I think because Cedric took two years, like the, I don't think the lyrics are bad. But then I think maybe it was like, okay, they recorded the music and then like, oh, well, Cedric doesn't want to do vocals. So there wasn't a back and forth. There was not that there there really was, um, you know, this is pretty much all Omar and Cedric. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think just like, okay, we, we recorded the songs and they just sat there. There wasn't. Oh, hey! It'd be cool if you did this. And yeah, I did that. Or it sounds like very little collaboration. Case in point, on the opening track, that vocal line makes no sense with that riff. <laughs> it makes no musical sense. And I, I, f- I felt like that on Dyslexicon. Really, I didn't mind that song. I, I really like the vocals and like the robot stuff on mm. his vocals, but it's. I feel like it's kind of all over the place. A lot of this is all over the place, and. Another big thing about this one is that there's no, there's pretty much no Latinness to it. There's no Latin flavor the way there usually is. Uh, and I don't just mean inst- with instruments and production. I mean the writing doesn't have that those progressions the way they usually do. It sounds like an indie band came in and wrote these songs for them. They all have a ton of indiness, not just like, cause I already mentioned Radiohead on one, um, but it, they all, they all feel kind of like, you know, melancholy and somber and nice and pretty, but not that interesting. Not that, not the most inventive riffs ever. And, uh, there's only, yeah, like trinkets of pale moon is a good example. Another song that reminds me a lot of Radiohead. It's real nice. It's cool. It's soft and nice. Again, it's all, it's all fine but it's just pretty boring for lack of a better term songs uh blanketed by really really crazy production yeah um and yeah they didn't really like tour on this one they did like a few like surprise shows like under omar's name mm-hmm. and they would like show up and do a show but it was it was so again in hindsight like it was so obvious that you know this is a band that's on their last legs due to the you know lack of touring and all mm-hmm. that um and then like as Cedric put it it is kind of like unfathomable because it's like this this duo that like survived the breakup of another band 
And so they're going to be together forever. Yeah. And then so like as he put it, like when they announced they broke up in 2013, it was this kind of to let the no- the fans know mom and dad are not together anymore. Oh, man. That's pretty sad. It's pretty heartbreaking. And then it just they're so weird because then it was devastating and then but like at the driving got back together yeah so what year was that um i'm not sure what year at the driving got back together but it was just like oh they're talking again so like yeah so like is this good is dad's coming over for dinner he's not sleeping in the house yet but you never know that's what it is and then they announced another side project uh shit uh, what was that side project called? Anti-mask. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, just do, like, do a Volta album. They, you have time to do this. They know what people want. New... Yeah, they're they're smart guys. They know what people want. They they're they. It seems very intentional. Uh, if, um, if they come out with a with a Volta thing, they're it's probably going to be like a really big build up to it, and like they're gonna it's probably be a giant release. Yeah. So, um. They did say 2019 they were working on new stuff, but mm. uh, I'm sure the pandemic has affected that. Yeah, as everybody. Well, as well as, you know, bass player Juan. Um, in the beginning of 2020, he was in an awful bike accident, mm-hmm. brain damage in Jesus. a coma for four weeks. Are you serious? Uh, he's he's awake now and rehabbing but like with a brain injury like i really i really hope that dude can get back into top shape and that he's part of the reunion that, but, um, man that gives me fucking bad memories of the basis from deftones man oh yeah, yeah he ended up dying from like, it like 10 years later yeah so i was i was so happy when he woke up from it because yeah. like just like a very interesting dude and but yeah that shit can can fuck your life up he may yeah i i don't know his personal life but you know it's very possible he may not be able to play bass again but he's you know he's alive and kicking he's crazy and then uh ike owens died in 2014 so Uh, how old was he i'm not sure how old he was but um much like the other members you know, he was in Jack White, so none of these people, like, you know, they would go on to keep working with yeah. big names and yeah. stuff. And they, they don't, I mean, they're, all, they're like the generation before. It's like 20 years older. It's like, uh, so like, yeah, 40s, right? 40s to going on 50s, something like that. Yeah. Does he have a wiki? But yeah, um, he was, yeah, 39. Jesus, that. that's. That's too young. Okay. Not even middle age. Also, also, like, they covered so much, like, dark shit. This feels like, you know, like, art imitating life and vice versa. You know, they talked about the troubles of drugs yeah. and ODs and, and comas. And then to have two prominent members go through this shit is just... Yeah, be, yeah. Be careful what you sing about. I guess. Oh fuck! I should worry. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just singing about my mom now. Of her being cool or something like that. Oh fuck! But I guess that brings us to the end. Uh, a quick recap. 
So, Bess Delaus in the Carnatorium, uh, personal favorite, Francis the Mute, worst, least favorite, Nocturna Kit. For me, personal favorite, Delaus in the Carnatorium. Uh, honestly, that's, that's got to be the entry point for everybody. It just has to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's cliche, but it's it's also damn good. I can't deny it. Yeah. Uh, best. Amputester, amputecture, amputecture. Fuck that word. But that album, I think, is the best yeah. one. Uh, and least favorite, Bedlam and Goliath. Oh, that voice. And worst. Objectively, I think we could probably all agree mom and dad are breaking up. Nocturnicate. Gotta be the worst. Yeah. Uh, but very fun episode. It took me so much longer. Like, I thought that was gonna knock this one out. I didn't realize how unfamiliar I was with a lot of these these albums, and they're long as shit. So I had to really like my notes for this. It's almost a whole page for each album. I yeah, I have a lot. Um, I have wanted to do this for a long time, but I also didn't want to torment you. So yeah. uh, thank you. Oh no no, for, this, uh, this is no problem. Uh, I, I mean, it's what we do, but um, indeed, I I really appreciate. Because I, I knew how you felt about his vocals, so uh, I like this has been like a blast to do, and uh, uh, yeah. yeah, dude, this is like the definition of like why we do this this whole thing. It's like I needed to hear all the albums and just judge it fairly. Because like I don't like the guy's voice, I'm not gonna say he's bad. I'm not gonna say these these are bad records, uh, and that's what I came out of it. I do still hate parts of his voice, but I do also like other parts of it. No, you grow, baby. You grow. So thank you all nice. so much for for listening and watching. And uh, if you want to help us and support us, I know you do after this gigantic episode. Please say you do. Subscribe on youtube.com slash every album ever. You know, rate review, subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, you know the usual. Uh follow me on Instagram at Pope Jesse Ventura and Alex at Mother Puncture. And check out the Mars Volta Spotify playlist. You can find a link in the description wherever you're listening or watching, as well as playlists associated with every single other episode at everyalbumever.com. You can find links to merch there. Uh, all that cool stuff. Uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash everyalbumever. There we got bonus episodes. Early access to the, early access to the Loose End series. Uh, you know, discount off all merch and you can get, you can jump the line. If you want to suggest an artist for us to cover, uh, you can email us at everyalbumever uh, gmail.com or you can yeah, patron and jump the line. Get here before everyone else. I think uh, the next two episodes should be patron requested ones. I think. Yeah, I think I think the next two in a row are going to be patron requested episodes. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting shit. Uh, but I guess that's about it for all the plugs. That's it for everything. We got to send it off with something good. What we gonna yes. do, birthday boy? So this has been a long, long podcast. I will throw our listeners a bone here, and I'm actually going to go with Desperate Graves because I said it was underrated. Y'all have been through a lot. I appreciate you all. Here is a digestible five-minute-ish song. Very unexpected. Very cool. Very cool. So thank you all for listening once again. See ya. Where the warm hell grows
Of your mind. 